The passage I'll speak on today is from Matthew 25, towards the end of Matthew. Excuse me. I'll try not to be rude all the sermon here. Um, Toward the end of Matthew, Jesus gives three, maybe four parables on uh, the the coming and the end. And so last week we looked at one, uh, this week and again next week. So um, Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13, and I will ask you to listen. This is God's word to us. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, or ten maidens, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom, the groom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and then fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. This is one of the great verses in all of Scripture. Look, or behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Verse 7. Then all the maidens, the virgins, woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves, noting it's midnight. So who's open? Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came, Lord, or Sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for your word, and we ask for guidance in understanding it. All in thy name. Amen. So this is the, as I've been saying, the third of our stewardship sermons, realizing how people dearly hate stewardship sermons. I'm still going to inundate you with these for a little while, stewardship sermons. So the question we're asking is, what uh, does the church have that nobody else has? What does the church do or what does the church offer that nobody else does or nobody else offers? Uh, what, that's the question. I, I, in my notes here, I have it as the, uh, the stew cue, <laughs> the stewardship question, the stew cue. That's terrible. Thank you. Uh, what is it that we have, and therefore, why do we support the church that nobody else can offer or nobody else does? The stewardship question. So let's take a look at the text. In verse 10, we have in the text a very blunt statement. The door was shut. Now, that is an imagery that we as a culture, and we in a church especially, we don't like that kind of imagery. The door was shut. We don't like shut doors. We want open doors and signs in front of all churches all out the country. We have, everybody is welcome. The door is always open. We want to get a foot in the door. And if one door is closed, then another door will be opened up for us. We just don't like that whole imagery of a door being shut. Isn't that very comfortable? And yet there it is in verse 10 in this passage, the door is closed. So I want to take a look at this 
and, and this parable and see what it is in terms of the stew cue, the stewardship question. What does the church offer or church have that nobody else has or nobody else can offer in relation to this parable? So let's take a look at the parable. The first thing that we see in the parable is that the invitation is obvious. Everybody in town is invited to the wedding feast. Everybody. Nobody is excluded. Everybody in town is invited. The invitation is to everyone. Now let's just take a look at the, the whole scenario of what this wedding is, because it's really very beautiful. Everybody in town is invited. Nobody's forgotten. Nobody's excluded. The imagery that we have is that the bridegroom, the groom, will come into town at nighttime, so the, the wedding apparently will be at night, because all the maidens have their lamps. So you can imagine the bridegroom coming into town. Uh, he's on a white stallion. The, the, bride, the groomsman, the entourage is surrounding him. It's a clear night. The stars are shining. On the road, we have all the people, the maidens and such, lining the road with their lamps. So there's twinkling lights above the stars and twinkling lights on the road. And the bridegroom comes into town on a white stallion with all the entourage. It's just a beautiful imagery of what this wedding feast will be about. And everybody is invited. Nobody is forgotten. Nobody is excluded. So let's, let's take a look at that for a moment, because that's an important imagery. Nobody is overlooked. Nobody is forgotten. Do you have that active memory in your mind about being forgotten, about being overlooked? Can I bring you back to high school, or maybe if you're in high school, do you know those parties that everybody was invited to, but you didn't get an invitation? Do you remember how painful that is to be overlooked, to be forgotten? If you're working, uh, where everybody seems to be recognized, everybody seems to get a promotion, except you're forgotten, you're overlooked. Let's bring it home. If you watch television, who doesn't watch television? If you watch television on a weekend night, Saturday night, and everybody on the TV programs is beautiful, everybody's gorgeous, they're all having fun, they're all being so entertained, and you are sitting home on a Saturday night watching television. Does it seem like you'd be forgotten sometimes, overlooked, ignored? How painful that is. But what the Christian church emphasizes is this in the Christian narrative. If anything, Christianity is anything, it's a narrative, it's our story. And in every story you have chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 with all the conflict and all the tension and all the failures and all the successes. In our story, in our Christian story, everybody's invited. Everybody. Nobody's excluded. Did you read in the paper last week, or that's where I got it from, that whoever does this kind of counting, I can't imagine, the Earth's population has just turned to 7 billion? Well, my first thought, maybe I twisted a little head I have, is 7, I wonder if forgot, God forgot some of us, like me, maybe. 7 billion. How does he keep all those people in mind? But that's the essence of the Christian message, the good news. God did not forget anyone. Nobody is overlooked. Everybody's invited. It's chapter one of the, of the story, of the narrative of Christianity. And how important is that? If we're not telling that story, who's telling that story? We are not only the ones who have been invited into God's story. Nobody's excluded. Everybody's included. We are God's invitation. We're the ones who go into the world and say, Come on in. Nobody's excluded. Christ died for all. Christ died for everybody. 
God includes everybody, Jew and Greek, slave and free, ugly people and beautiful people, everybody, y'all invited. That's the heart, chapter one of the, of, the, of the story. And if we're not telling that story, who is? But let me reflect on that for a moment. I sometimes wonder if we get stuck on chapter one, that that's a wonderful story. That's, that's beautiful. We need to hear that that nobody's excluded, everybody's invited, all the maidens. But do we get stuck on chapter 1 and forget to move on to chapter 2? And if we don't go to chapter 2, we're not telling the whole story. I wonder if all our metaphors get kind of caught in chapter 1. So the metaphor of the church, for example, one very popular one, is that we are the hospital for the sick. You've used that one, right? Does that mean we all have to stay sick forever? Can't we kind of move on to chapter 2? And if we're not moving on to chapter 2, what are we forgetting? What part of the story are we missing? Chapter 1 is essential. Everybody's invited. But let's move on to chapter 2. In chapter 2, we have preparation. And so, in terms of the, the narrative in the, in the, in the uh, parable, five of the maidens, 50%, five of the maidens are prepared, they have extra oil, and five are unprepared for the celebration that they will be invited into. Now, how do we make sense of that? Well, let me try it this way. One of us, as I say too often, I subject you to this far too often, but I don't care. <laughs> One of the, my little obsessive behaviors is that every single day I go to the YMCA and I do my little workout, okay? And so what do you do when you're on the treadmill for an hour? You, I write my sermons, so contextually, you're going to get a lot of this junk. So let me kind of compress a couple of months into a day in the life at the YMCA by Jim Kerr. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm on, the, I'm on the treadmill, and next to me, this is true stuff, there is a, a friend of mine, a, a girlfriend of mine, said in the most healthy way, <laughs> stay to your notes, <laughs> So this woman uh, is a special needs woman, okay? She is on the treadmill every single day, at the same time I'm there, I'm there. She, she gets herself on the treadmill, she sets the treadmill to the exact same pace every day, three, uh, three, which is a very casual pace, that means three miles in an hour, and she'll stay on that for 45 minutes to an hour. So my friend, my special needs woman friend, <laughs> is on the treadmill, doing her slow little pace, and it's wonderful. She's doing the best she can. On the other side of me, this guy jumps on the treadmill. This is true, but I'm truncating a story. And he gets on, and he does his little warm-up, and then he pushes the, uh, the buttons so that the treadmill goes top speed. In other words, it's a six-minute pace, which I can hold for about 10 seconds. This guy does it for 45 minutes. True story. So after he gets done, I look at him and say, who are you? Where did you come from? Are you from Krypton? You know, what? how did this happen? And, and so we talk to each other and, and uh, get it all. So there's the three of us in, in my little story. There's the guy from Krypton. There's, you know, middle-aged me doing my middle-aged sweaty stuff. And there's my girlfriend here who's special needs and who's doing her three-minute, uh, 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 like, very slow pace as best she can. Now I look around. And always there are a group of people, I'm going to say 10%. Jesus says 
Jesus is normally right in these things, but <laughs> I'm going to say there's 10% of the people that are walking around going from machine to machine doing nothing. They're talking to everybody. So I can well imagine, and to be honest, they're always guys. So, so I can well imagine they're at the Y for an hour, hour and a half, and they come home and, and their girlfriend or whatever says, uh, so what you do? Well, I went to the Y for an hour, uh, an hour and a half. I was at the Y. Well, you know, how did you? Well, yeah, do I, I look pretty good, don't I? And she would be like, well, no. I mean, you didn't do anything. <laughs> so the, the kind of the, the thing is, you know, just because you're at the church, excuse me, just because you're at the Y, you know, it doesn't mean anything's getting done. And in fact, that's the exact point. That part of what the church is about is we are the spiritual fitness center. And if we're not doing that, who's doing that? The Stu Q, you know, the stewardship question? If we're not creating a venue where preparation can be done, where is it getting done? And that's why we have prayer groups and Bible studies and small groups and things for the youth and choir and all, because we are the place where people can prepare for the coming of the Lord. And if we're not doing it, it's not getting done. But just because you're here, do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to do the preparation yourself. You've got to accept the Lord Jesus into your heart for yourself. So part of the narrative is that everybody's invited but are you doing the work? Are you doing the preparation? So let's go back to the story. In the story, chapter 25, verse 6, it's a great passage. It should be up there with John 3, 16. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out and meet him. I think I've reflected on this before, but let me do it again. <clears throat> One of my favorite Christian mystics from the middle medieval times is a man named Jan van Roysbrek, or John Roysbrek, or however you want to say it. He wrote a whole book on this one passage. Behold, look, open your eyes, open the eyes of your heart. Behold, chapter 1, the bridegroom cometh. He came in the person of Nazareth. He comes in the sacrament. He comes in spirit. He's with you now. And he comes again. The bridegroom comes in power and great glory for all to behold. Riding in on that white horse where everybody can see him. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out. That's that spiritual discipline. That's that spiritual preparation. Go out in prayer, go out in mission, go out in study, go out in evangelism. Go out of yourself and meet him. Be in communion with him. Meet him now. And meet him when he comes again in power and great glory. So behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Now, we've got to move on to chapter, one, uh, chapter 3. Everybody's invited. Got to do the preparation. Some are un prepared. They don't have extra oil. Now, what does that mean? Let me go back to my scenario at the YMCA, okay? I, I painted a picture of four characters. There's my friend uh, going slowly on the treadmill, doing the best she can. Middle-aged me, huh, thank you, doing my middle-aged stuff, and the man from Krypton, okay? And the 10% who are just walking around chatting. Let's say the race is begun. Let's be literal on this. We've got a 5K coming up, okay? We're all of us on the start line. And by the way, can I push this a little bit? The man from Krypton, he's going to come in first. How many people are going to be there to greet him? Nobody. Everybody's behind him. I'm going to come in with everybody else who's average, and there's just a whole bunch of us average people. 
my friend, my special needs friend, how many people are going to be there to greet her? Have you ever been to a race like this? Everybody comes out. Everybody comes. I'm being literal here. Everybody comes to the star line. She comes walking in. Everybody's going nuts. The last shall be first. How literal is that? And then, in my little scenario, the 10%, I'm being kind, Jesus said 50%, maybe one of them will come up to me and say, hey, may I see you at the Y all the time? Can I borrow some of your fitness? And I'll say, man, I love you. I do. But, you know, I can't carry you. I'm not that strong. Even the man from Krypton can't do that. And there's some things I can't loan you. I can't give you. I can give you my love. I can give you my love. But I can't give you that. I can't give you the love of Jesus. you got to do that yourself. you got to accept Jesus yourself. And maybe there's a time when it's too late. You haven't done it? I can't carry you. And there's some who will be unprepared. Door is closed. If we don't tell that story, who's telling that story? The stewardship question, the stew cue. But let's go back to the others. We're on the race line, and it's exciting. I, I know some of you have been there. You, you get on the start line, everybody's all jittery because it's all important and it doesn't make any difference in the world, but you're ready to start. And everybody's going to run. And, and you're going to get to the end, and the party starts, and, and you're into the banquet room, and the door is closed, and you're on the right side of the door, and it's glorious. It's beautiful. I mean, it's not just bagels like at the end of the race. It's, it's, it's more than you can imagine. It's a beauty that no word can express. And when you're in and you see that, you think it's all worthwhile, all that preparation, all those delights that we chose not to participate in because we were in training, it's now all worth it. All those hard days we put in, it's all glorious and it's all worth it because the celebration is so grand. And now the door is closed and the celebration starts and it lasts for an eternity. And all you had to do is accept the invitation and do the preparation. And that's our story. And if we're not telling that story, who's telling that story? And who's doing that work? It's a simple story. Everybody's invited. Is everybody doing the preparation? Because the celebration is worth it. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks <clears throat> that everybody's invited and that all that is needed for the preparation has already been provided. Lord, our hearts are surrendered. Our hearts are surrendered. In thy name. Amen.